uh, before we left, just a few weeks back, I started talking uh, to you out of the book of Jeremiah, and we went to several other verses, and I'm going to pick up where we were a couple of weeks back and uh, go forward in this little series here. If you have your Bibles, let's look in the book of Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, and I will read a few verses of Scripture here, beginning with verse number 10. Jeremiah 29 and 10 says, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity and I will gather you from the nations and from all the places, whether I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. How many remember those verses that we, that we read just a few weeks ago? Amen. So we started talking from this, from this text about not letting our head get in the way of our heart, not letting what we think or what we know or what we have learned, not letting that get in the way of our heart and the way our heart is directed or positioned open toward the Lord. Amen. I mentioned traveling the last few weeks and uh being in several different services, one of the services that, that I was in, I spent some time talking to that particular church about uh, the importance of the preached word of God and how the Bible tells us that uh, God chose by the foolishness of preaching to save people, to save them that believe. So, so preaching is important and in this setting, I was talking to that church about their new pastor and what their expectations may be of, of him, not knowing them and not really being familiar with the situation. I know human nature and I know people and I know church because I've been around this for so long that uh, if we're not careful, we'll spend time saying, I need someone that will be my friend. I need someone that will counsel me. I need someone that will pray for me. I need someone to show up when I'm in the hospital. I need someone to uh, just be nice to me. And all of those things are important and all of those things are good and all of those things are necessary, but none of those things replace uh, the value that God has put on preaching. 
that when you elected this pastor uh, the, the, the last little while, you did not just elect him to be your friend, to be your comforter, to be the person that visits you, to be the one that encourages you. If he doesn't get anything else done, and I'm not cutting that short or saying that's what he will only do, but if he doesn't get anything else done, if he preaches the word of God and the word of truth to you, you and I need that more than we need anything else in our life because God chose through preaching to save people. Visiting, comforting, being a friend, showing up when you're sick, praying, none of those things will replace the value of someone who will preach the word of God to you. And, and, and I went on talking to them about how the Bible says in surrounding that text that you will never know him just through the wisdom of men. If you think I'll, I'll learn enough or study enough or be able to recite enough or repeat enough that I'll come to a real understanding, you will never know God simply by searching him out in the wisdom of men. You know God through faith. You know God whether you have all of the answers, whether you have all of the studying done, whether you know all the ins and outs of everything the Bible details or what religion would say or what men have passed on. You'll never know God that way. You know God through faith. You know God by engaging him with your heart, not with your head. There are some people that I know that have spent an exorbitant amount of money, an enormous amount of time studying and acquiring and, and getting degrees that have to do with divinity and theology and eschatology and all of those things if we want to talk about it that still today after decades of study, Decades of being educated, decades of learning still do not know him. They know about him, but they don't know him. Because the only way you can know him is when you get your head out of the way and you let your heart encounter him. All right? How many would say, you know what I'm talking about, that maybe the first time you walked into a church, whether it was here or somewhere else, you didn't know, you didn't know Genesis from Revelation, you didn't know a disciple from a prophet, you didn't know Acts from Jeremiah, you didn't know heads or tails about this or God or religion. Or How many would agree that when you came, when you walked in, wherever it was, you just didn't have have a clue. You didn't have a clue. If someone were to give you a basic Bible pop quiz, <laughs> you would have failed it, no doubt. How many knows that's the truth? I mean, you would have just, you'd have flunked out. You'd just like, here's the quiz. Was Moses on the ark or was Noah on the ark? Was, <laughs> did, did Jesus walk on water or did Jonah ride in a yacht that was called a whale on the water? You, you didn't really know. You were just like, no clue, no clue. 
But even though you didn't have that basic knowledge, when you walked in, you felt something. When someone started preaching, whether you could navigate through what they were talking about or what they meant or somehow you felt something and you were drawn. Maybe maybe that first service or a service or two down the road or a few weeks in and, and you still didn't know anything here but your heart was pulling you toward one when an invitation was given and some of us gave our lives to a God that we did not know one thing about. Some of us went to the waters of baptism and we were baptized in a name that we really didn't even know who that name represented. But something happened in our life and whether I knew it all or not, my heart was saying, this is right. Do this because... Now, I've seen people walk into churches that, that, that have no clue of, of what it's all about, what it means, how you explain it, how it all fits together. And I've seen people walk in, give their life to the Lord, get baptized in his name, filled with his spirit, and, and they're born again, ready to go to heaven, and they have no knowledge of what all this is about. But what happens over a period of time is we start moving from this heart deal into trying to figure it all out. And we take it from this walk of faith to a place where if it doesn't make sense and measure up, we're not going to accept it anymore. When that's not how it all started for us. But we want to change it once we get going in this process. So the Bible said this. You, when you call on me, you shall go and pray to me. He said, I'll hearken to you. You will seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. He didn't say when you start searching for me with all of your head, when you start searching for me in every book, in every encyclopedia, by every author, by every explanation that's ever been given. He said when you just engage me with your heart, you will find me. That's beautiful because it's telling us you can come you can come to him the first time you walk through the door. You don't have to wait 20 years or 30 years or somewhere down the road to finally say, okay, I've got it all figured out. I, I, know, I know what it's all about now. Well, let's, let's go, if we can, to the book of Psalms. And I'm jumping down to where I want to begin really today and go forward. Psalms 139, we're going to read verse 17 and 18. So um, I'm going to give Norma opportunity to get there real quickly. Psalms 139, verse 17 and 18, and then we'll have it on the screen and we can look at it together. And we're going to go forward right here because it, it, it will bring some meaning and depth to what we have been talking about uh, just a few weeks ago when we started into, into this lesson. All right, Norma, you got it back there? Psalms 139, you're not going to win the computer sword drill if you don't hurry. 
Amen. I'm going to beat you here in the Bible if you're not careful, and I'm just going to have to read it. Amen. you got a computer, and I've got just my hands. How precious, how precious, it says, also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Now, remember in Jeremiah, he was saying, I know the plans I have for you. I know even if you don't know the plans, if you don't know the thoughts, he said, I know the plans and I know the thoughts that I have toward you, even when you can't see it. So the writer is saying, how precious are your thoughts toward me, God? How great is the sum of them all? Let's go to verse 18 and look. If I should count them... They are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. He said, if I tried to sum up the thoughts of God, the thoughts, okay, I'm not hurrying here because I want you to get this. The thoughts, sometimes we feel like our life is just aimless and useless and there's no purpose and and there's no destiny there's no end result and the writer's saying your thoughts toward me are precious and he said when I try to sum them up when I try to bring them all together he said they are more I can't even count them all because the number of them is like the sand by the sea how do you pick up Grains of sand one by one and start counting them. It's like looking into the heavens and trying to number the stars. it's, it's, It's beyond our ability. And what we have to see is that God has that kind of thought life toward you. That the thoughts that he has for you are beyond what you can even begin to number. So if no one else can see value and purpose in our life and we are kind of lost and aimlessly traveling along, we have to be reminded that God has thoughts for us about our life and about our future and about our purpose and about our destiny that are beyond what you can even start to sum up or count. Let's give God a hand clap of praise this is interesting. Now, now I want to go a little bit farther, so Norma, stay with me here. Let's go to verse 23 and 24 of that same chapter because it, it takes this even, even deeper when we're talking about uh, the thoughts, excuse me, the thoughts that God has for us. What does it say? Search me, O God, and know my heart. All right? It's, it's kind of Jeremiah's word being expanded and he's saying your thoughts toward me are so many that I can't even count them all then he comes to the end of this and he says search me O God and know my heart first so it always starts with our heart and I don't want you to think that I'm saying we should never engage our mind and thought life and all of that because the Bible declares you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free but it doesn't start here it starts 
here. So it always starts with our heart, okay? And he's saying, search me, know, know my heart, try me, and know my thoughts. But before you ever get to my thoughts, start with my heart. Because sometimes we can think some crazy stuff, but our heart can be in the right place. How many knows that's the truth? And if God knows where our heart is at, then he can work with our thoughts as long as our heart remains pure. As long as our heart remains in the right place, then God can help us get our head on straight. But if our heart is not in the right place, then it's, then it's virtually impossible to see people progress in their walk with God if their heart's not right. Some people think, well, I'll just get my thoughts right and then everything will be okay. God starts with our heart. And if we can get our heart in the right place, then he will help us adjust our thoughts. And he said, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Amen. What, what, if God has all of these thoughts that are good and great and destined and purposeful for our lives, so many that they're like the sand, the writer said, do my thoughts, and here, here is where we're going a little bit deeper in all of this. He's, David said, search me, know my heart, see where my thoughts are, and if, there's not, if, if things are not right, he said, if there's a wicked way in me, if you find something in me, then lead me in the right direction. Bring change and correction into my life and help me to get it right. So we don't come to God with everything right. We come to God and he accepts us based on where our heart is. Not because we performed everything right. But once we start living for him, he starts bringing adjustments into our thoughts and our way of living where what was not right before, the psalmist is saying, correct my path. Send me in the right direction. I want to get this right. So basically what we're finding here is, is there should be this desire in all of our lives that your thoughts for me that I don't know right now should at some point as you lead me and adjust my life, my thoughts should begin to line up with your thoughts. So I've seen people in the church and I've experienced this as a pastor that over time what folks could not see about their life in the beginning Given some time living for God, their thoughts began to line up with his thoughts and they start seeing themselves living at a different level, accomplishing different things, doing what they thought. I could never do that. I could never live that way. I could never act that way. I could never feel that way. Previous to him, truth. But once he comes into your life, what you could not do on your own, greater is he that is within us. Us. He gives us the strength and power to become what we could not do and become on our own. So our thoughts began to line up with him. We began to see ourselves living differently and we began to experience things now that God is directing us that we never had previously. 
But please understand, and I keep going back to this, that it is a matter of the heart, not a matter of the head. Don't let your head... You remember me talking about it where sometimes when people are falling in love and they're dating... Uh, what do we say? Now, don't let your heart get in the way of your head. <laughs> we tell them the exact opposite in the world because we know things about the individual. We know things about family. We heard this. Somebody told us that, and we're trying to protect someone, and they don't know all of this baggage, and they don't know all this stuff, and their heart's all in the middle. But I love him, Dad, but he's just so much. Well, wait a minute. Listen, don't let your heart get in the way of your head or you'll end up miserable down the road because you loved him if he can't work and doesn't have a job and never has proved that he can pay a bill it doesn't matter how much you love him marry for money please <laughs> come on Zach help me back there well I'm just in love I'm mar don't marry for love marry for money whatever you do <laughs> so we tell, we tell our family, we tell our friends, we tell people, don't let your heart get in the way of your head. But, but when it comes to God, you have to do the exact opposite. You have to let your heart. Well, I need to, and I met people. They want you to answer every Bible question imaginable before they'll ever come to opening their heart toward him. I have people ask me about dinosaurs. I have people, I'm like, does it really matter? Well, well, how long? Was that one day or a thousand days or the creation week and what? Now, was Adam a full-grown man or was he an infant and grew? And I have people ask me everything you can imagine that at the end of the day, it has nothing to do with eternity. It has nothing to do with salvation. It has nothing to do with what's going to prepare you to get ready for heaven. But most of the time I try to answer the questions. And when people are asking many times, they've got their head in front of their heart. And sometimes it's a protection type of mechanism. Let's talk about everything else before we talk about what really matters. You know, here they are, you know, trying to be Bible scholars, and they haven't even opened a Bible in decades, and they, they're scholars all of a sudden. You're like, does it really matter? You're addicted. You're incarcerated. You're on your deathbed. You have moments to live, and you want to ask me about a dinosaur? Why don't you let your heart really engage him because in a matter of time unless deliverance comes to your life you're so bound and addicted it's going to kill you and you're asking me something that at the end of the day now well, why are scientists saying that the earth is trillions of years and thousands of years old and this was a hundred million years ago and you're, this, is it six thousand years like does it matter you're not ready to meet the one that started it all six days ago, 6,000 years ago, six millennial, six billion years ago. You're not ready to meet him. That mean, that's more important in this moment than it is all that other stuff. 
Not belittling those things. Not saying that those things aren't what people want to learn about and understand. But it's amazing to me how often people will get their head. So you do this at your church and what kind of church is that? And you do that and, and it's like, I just want to say, we do what the Bible says. I don't know where else you've been or what they've done, but if you're asking me, yes, we raise our hands because the Bible says raise your hands. Yes, we clap our hands. Well, I don't know if I'm going to go to one of those kind of churches where they get loud and where they, then you don't, you you're not going to church. You're going somewhere, but it's not church, and you sure don't want to go to heaven because it says when we get there, people are actually going to take their crowns off, the crowns that they receive, and they're going to fling them. They're going to throw them at his feet. So if you're there and you're not used to moving, that's why we dance down here so we can kind of get out of the way when the crowns start flying. Uh, you know, you don't want to go there because there's not a little comfortable place in the back in the corner where you can sit with hands folded and never do anything and that's going to be heaven. That, that's not going to happen there. The first thousand years, there's going to be celebrating and there's going to be shouting and there's going to be crowns flying. And If you don't like it here, you're going to be miserable in eternity. So, yeah, we clap our hands because the Bible says, clap your hands, all you people, and shout. Well, I don't like it loud. Read the Bible. The Bible says, shout unto God with the of triumph so when God brings miracles when God brings deliverance when God comes through in your life in a victorious way it is in order to say thank you for helping me I preached at a church not long ago it was so quiet and so dead my goodness I heard someone say it was so quiet you could hear a mouse licking ice. Think about it. I was in a church and I was thinking, oh my Lord. Oh God, help me. Help me. First, I was really praying, God, help me to be nice and not say anything I shouldn't say right here because I'm only here like one service and I don't want to make everybody mad. Come on, the Bible tells us to worship. The Bible tells us to sing. The Bible tells us to play instruments. The Bible tells us to shout. The Bible tells us to dance. The Bible tells us to clap. The Bible tells us to do these things. And so many times if we let our head get in the way, we, our head will say, well, you're not that type. And you're shy. And you're backward. And you don't like people looking at you. And, and you don't want to be conspicuous. And, and, and our head will say, in, and our heart is saying, but honor him. Our heart is saying, but he brought you out of sin. Our heart is saying, but he delivered you. Our heart is saying, but you, and we're like, well, I don't know. I don't want people to look at me. And I don't know what it's going to be like. Listen, don't let your head get in the way of your heart and the way you honor him and the way you give glory to him and for what he has done in your life if we're not careful we will start living for God thinking we're pleasing him just by what we have learned and what we know now instead of the heart issue that we have and what God does to deal with us and so at some point we have to let our thoughts line up with his and and the sooner we do that the better it is and everybody shout amen 
So 2 Timothy, and I want to read through this and we'll, we'll stop here momentarily. But 2 Timothy 3 says, This I know also, verse number one, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, notice, notice, notice the, the, the emphasis here, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such, Paul said to Timothy, from such people that fall in these categories, he said, turn away. Turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with, with, with uh, sin, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning, ever learning, and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Listen, just because someone has a, a, a title of doctor of divinity, reverend so-and-so, father this, just because they have a title does not mean that they know truth. Be very careful about who you listen to follow and accept their message because the bible said they will ever be learning degrees on the wall have all, well they look at look at their parish look at their congregation look at their church look at their religion look at them they surely he said they will ever learn and never be able to come. They haven't come to a knowledge of truth. I have, I have been involved in the lives of people for many, many years. And I've seen people that do not even have a basic education. Okay? There was a lady, um, her, her uh, life course many years ago was quite challenging the way she was brought up she was married at 13 and and had children and life was hard and back in those days uh, they didn't have much she she didn't even finish I I don't even think she made it through elementary school much less middle school or high school or anything else she was married at 13 and worked hard and husband was an alcoholic children on her own and but God put his hand on that young girl and she was she was the sister of uh, my uncle's mother so I have an uncle by marriage my aunt's husband okay so he's my uncle by marriage this was his aunt all right but 
she, I grew up with her being in and out of our home and in our, in our, my father's churches and all. And so I always called her Aunt Mag, although she was not my biological type of aunt. She was an aunt by marriage. Her name was Magdalene, but we called her Mag. Aunt Mag started, so she started multiple churches throughout East Texas. Back in those days, she didn't have an education. She, she had children and an alcoholic husband and a difficult life and a challenging every day. But she was so full of faith that this 13-year-old girl, as she began to mature, got the call of God on her life and began to start churches in communities and in parts of the country in Texas where men would not go. So rough and so challenging and so full of sin. This one little lady would go there in prayer and began to reach people. And there are many churches in Texas right now that she started by herself without an education without and I was asking her one time older in life and I could tell you some awesome stories about her when I was just a little boy maybe maybe seven six seven years of age she came to speak for my father now she was something else she was a bundle of energy and fire and she came to my dad's church and I was just a little boy and she spoke that night about God being able to do anything and there there was nothing too hard for God and and he can do anything if you trust him give him the opportunity he's a miracle working God and she she would jump all over the place and clap her hands and she was a little small lady and she she got so beside herself that um, when we got home that night and we, we, I walked into my room, I had a little goldfish. I'm not making this up. I had a goldfish that was dead. It was dead. It died in the bowl while we were gone to church. And I called Aunt Mag into my room and said, Aunt Mag, and you guys know what you do with goldfish and fish when they die. You just flush them down the commode. Uh, you know, we would run through those things all the time. And that was the destiny of that little goldfish he was headed for, about to be flushed down the commode. And I started crying and said, Aunt Mag, you said God can do anything. My fish died. I want God to heal my fish. And she told the story years later how all of a sudden, as a child, I put her on the spot. And she put that goldfish in her hand and the scales were falling off and they were in my hand and in her hand. And she was standing there and started crying, God, for this child and for his faith, I'm asking you to give life back to this goldfish and while my aunt Mag, while she was praying, the fish started flopping in her hand and she put it back in the bowl and walked out and as a seven year old little boy I was like, oh my God, he can do anything. I promise you there's nothing too hard for the Lord. I asked her later in life when I started preaching and she was aged and, and uh, uh, ailing in health and all. I said to her, I said, Aunt Mag, uh, uh, tell, me, tell me a little bit about your life and things of the past and tell me about the word of God and, and starting all those churches. And she started crying and she said, Honey, I never learned to read. 
didn't have the opportunity. He said, I can't, I can't, I, I couldn't read one thing. I had a young family and I felt the call of God in my life and I, I said, God, I can't even read your word. You want, you want me to do these things for you and I can't, I can't read. I, she said, I prayed and God brought revelation to me and she said, the only thing that I've ever been able to read in my life has been the word of God. She said, when I open the pages of the word, I can read it because God gave me the ability and a miraculous thing of revelation as a grown woman when he called me to share his gospel. She said, the only thing I have ever been able to read is the Bible. So there are people that have degrees on the wall that have learned for decades but do not know him. And I know people that have no education and have no worldly knowledge or learning at all that can open this and truth and revelation come from their life because it starts here, not here. You're never going to know him through the knowledge of men and the wisdom of men, but you will know him when you start seeking for him with your whole heart. You will be found of him. It doesn't matter your name, your past, your education. All that matters is that there is a hunger for him and there is faith toward him and God will bring revelation into your life. It says they're ever learning and they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. He said that's what the last days are going to look like now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses those were the men that Pharaoh brought in to say well they can do magic they can turn these staves into snakes just like you that serpents will happen when they stood before Moses when Moses showed up to say Pharaoh God said let my people go Pharaoh said well I've got people that can do that he said when Janus and Jambres withstood Moses so do these also resist the truth men of corrupt minds notice the reference reprobate concerning the faith but they shall proceed no further for their folly shall be made manifest unto all men as theirs was just as Janus and Jambres were shown that day when Moses dropped that staff and they dropped theirs it was the God that was backing up Moses that caused the serpents to be consumed and when Janus and Jambres could not withstand Moses the Bible said in the last days people that are reprobate people that are corrupt in mind people that are saying they're religious they know God they have all of this it says they will not be able to resist the truth just like the men back in Moses day were not able to resist it praise God for people who will go after him with their heart and not just with their head. I want you to learn stuff. I want you to know stuff. I want you to be in love with the word, but more than all of that, I want your heart to stay engaged with him. I want you to get up every day saying, God, I want you more than I've ever wanted you before. Don't serve God just from the position of what you've learned. Let your heart continue to pursue God 
Let your faith be engaged even when things don't make sense. Even when it's not adding up and you don't know how it's going to work out. Let your heart still be first and foremost connected to Him. Let's stand together. It's, Paul's, Paul's talking to Timothy here and he said, they're never able to come to, listen, see it here. Never able to come to a knowledge of the truth, right? I want to stress this. He did not say come to a knowledge of a truth, that there's many truths out there, and you come to a knowledge of one of them. He's saying they cannot come to a knowledge of the truth. There's not many truths. There's not an option of a bunch of different truths. And, and you can be this religion or that religion or this denomination and that denomination or you could just believe this because there's a bunch of truths and they all lead to God. He's, he's saying they're not able to come to a knowledge of the truth because there is only one truth. And Jesus said, I am the way a truth no he said I am the truth so they do all of this and they don't know him because they're trying to figure it out here instead of here don't let your head get in the way of your heart keep your heart engaged living for God serving God moving toward him. Would you join me here in the front for a few moments and let's pray together.